You can remain seated, but I'm going to look at Luke chapter number 12 and ask you to turn there in your Bible. Uh, the context of Luke chapter 12, Jesus has people surrounding him called the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the day. And the scripture simply says in the closing few verses of chapter 11 that these religious leaders were lying in wait for Jesus and they were seeking to catch him in something he might say, that they might accuse him. Now, think about this with me for just a moment. The religious leaders of the day were the most accusational. The religious leaders of the day were the ones that were trying to trip Jesus up, asking him perplexing questions, trying to catch him in his words. So this is the context of ministry for Jesus Christ. In the meantime, the Bible says that Jesus, in the first verse of Luke chapter 12, had an innumerable multitude gathered together to hear him. So much so that the Bible says this multitude was trampling one another. And I have to tell you something. I've been reading the Bible my whole life, and I never saw that before. And it's as though Luke, in recording this act of Jesus, this time in his life, just inserted it and went right on. That Jesus is there to teach, and there are an innumerable number of people. He can't even count them. I get in my mind as far as the eye can see. There are people waiting and listening to what Jesus is teaching. And they are wanting so much to get close to Jesus of Nazareth that they are trampling each other. And in response, Jesus begins to teach. And Luke's account uh, references what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. And it's Luke's account of this. And as Jesus teaches, I want you to notice in your Bible in verse 27 of Luke 12, where he says this, Jesus speaks and says, Consider the lilies, he refers to flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And then he points to them in that teaching moment and says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. I want you to notice something before I read a little further. He says, don't have an anxious mind because there's enough people doing that. There are enough people worrying a wart on their brain. There are enough people that the definition of their life is anxiety. And Jesus says, don't do that. And then he qualifies and tells why they don't need to be anxious. Your father knows that you need these things. I want you to read that with me. Your father knows that you need these things, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure 
to give you the kingdom. Everybody say your father. December 1st, 1997, I was introduced to fatherhood personally when my daughter was born. August 17th, 2000, it came to me again. And I'm so thankful to be a dad. I'm so thankful. But I noticed something when the nurse put my wife in the wheelchair and pushed her out to the waiting car a few days after December 1st, and we took our little girl home. There was no how-to manual. There was no user's guide. I had to learn how to change a diaper on my own. Let me pause here long enough to speak to the men in this room. I've met some of you, and you vehemently refuse to change diapers. You, my friend, are missing such a blessing. There was no how-to manual. There's no user's guide. How do you rock them to sleep? How do you give them a bath without both of you taking a bath? How, pray tell, do you actually buckle their car seat in the car? There's a science to that all its own. And that may be what comes to our mind in fatherhood at first, but even as we probe it a little deeper, how do we prepare those children for life? How do we instill values in them that will last? How do we protect them properly from life's storms? How do we release them at the appropriate time to cause them to grow up? How do we do that? And so on this Sunday morning, on this Father's Day 2022, if I could give a gift to every person that is listening to me preach right now, it would be a proper understanding of our intended relationship to our Heavenly Father and His relationship to us. Because it is my opinion, and that's what it is, that one of the greatest misunderstandings is what our relationship with God ought to look like and his relationship and view of us. I am finding the longer that I live that this view of relationship between me and my heavenly father and my heavenly father and me is often shaped by my current life and my current station of life. Some in this room you know what it is to have an authoritarian father. A father where you can never be good enough. You try, but you never were good enough. You look back and you think about it right now and you have memories, some that you maybe never shared with anybody, but you were fathered by an authoritarian father, never quite good enough. Others deal with absent fathers. And wonder if God might forsake them as our Heavenly Father when time gets tough. You know what it is for your father to walk out when you needed your father to walk in. To leave when you needed an arm around you and a consoling word and a love expressed. It is an absent father. And then some who deal with passive fathers. And wonder that 
Maybe God is like that and he is just too nice to hold me accountable for my actions. It doesn't really matter because my image of God is one of passivity and and he'll let me just get away with anything and he's really not going to judge me. He's really not going to come down and lay the law down in my life. It's many times shaped by our current view or somehow a, a past view of our earthly father. Now certainly I do not propose that all of us fit within those three categories. Some had wonderful and do have wonderful examples of fathers. But may I just preach boldly today and say when we talk about an authoritarian father where we can never be good enough or an absent father that left us when we didn't need him to leave or a passive father that it just lets us get away with whatever we want to. These are not the qualities of our Heavenly Father. I want to say it boldly. I want to go ahead and drive it down right now. These are not the qualities of our Heavenly Father. And brothers and sisters and ladies and gentlemen, on this Sunday morning, if you and I can adopt a healthy, biblical, spirit-led look at our Heavenly Father, it'll change the way we respond to Him. It'll change the way we come to Him. It will change our perception of prayer. Somebody in this house, you don't even want to pray because you're afraid of what God will say when you pray. But we are in the presence of a heavenly Father that welcomes us in prayer. That says, bring all of your needs to me. Come boldly to my throne. That's the heavenly Father that I preach today. John wrote in his first epistle, in the closing few pages of Scripture in 1 John 3, and he said it clearly, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Oh, I'm standing here today with a lot of faults and a lot of failures. You're not looking at a perfect man on this platform, but I'll tell you what I am. I am a child of God. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. and you, you don't have to respond. I'm going to preach whether you respond or not. I don't have everything perfect in my life. I don't have everything going in the right direction in my life. But what I do know is this. He is my father and I am his child. And because he's my father and I'm his child, I can stand in his presence. I can worship in his presence. I can come into his presence. Hallelujah. He is my Father. He created us. Thereby, He is our Father. And we are His children. If this is true, then He must have an intention for our lives. If He created me, then He's got a plan for me. And if He's got a plan for me, then He's got a purpose for me. And if he's got a purpose for me, he's got direction for me. This is the character of our Heavenly Father that supersedes any characteristic of an earthly father. Who is this Heavenly Father? Luke chapter 12 that we read from is a cross-reference to Matthew 6. Jesus, as I mentioned, the Sermon on the Mount. And we see in this passage, first of all, the characteristic of our Heavenly Father is this. God is a Father who is aware. 
He is a father who is aware. Our Heavenly Father is not absent. He is not clueless. He's not on vacation. He didn't take the day off today from watching over us. God is a father, according to the Bible, who is aware. Let me give you Bible for this. Luke chapter 12 and verse 29, Jesus says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind, for all of these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. I'm preaching to people, you need a job. Your father knows you need a job. You need your family to be restored. Your heavenly father is aware that your family is broken right now. You need a lifting in your spirit. You need anxiety to lift off of you. I am preaching hope to somebody today that we are in the presence of a heavenly father that is aware of what we have need of. He knows what we have need of before we ever ask it. Oh, I'm going to preach it today. He's not clueless. He's not oblivious. He's not blind. He's not deaf. He's a heavenly father that is aware of our station in life. Come on, I want you to shout it. Say, he's aware. Look at someone near you and say, he knows where you're at. He knows where you're at. Maybe somebody in here, you, you thought recently. You maybe didn't even voice it to anybody. God, God, do you even know where I'm at right now? Well, God sent a five foot seven preacher on a Father's Day morning to tell you God knows right where you're at. I'm going to stay here because the Lord's not released me yet. He, he knows where you're at, ma'am. He knows, sir, where you're at right now. You might think nobody knows where you're at. Well, no, never. people may not know where you're at. They may be clueless, but your heavenly Father that you pray to, when you say, God, here's where I'm at, he knows exactly where you're at right now. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says, I'm going to preach it right now, he sits on the circle of the earth. That heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He knows tomorrow better than we know yesterday. He is a God that is aware. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Do I have anybody in this house that you know what it is to wake up one morning and have a revelation that your heavenly father knew where you were the whole time. <laughs> is there anybody in here you know what it is to have an understanding come? And that's pretty humbling sometimes. That when you thought he wasn't there, he was there. And when you thought he was a million miles away, he was standing right there next to you. And when you thought nobody knew your name and no one knew your predicament and nobody certainly knew the pain you were going through, your heavenly father was there and he was holding you up and he was sustaining you and he was guiding your life. Jesus himself said he knows what we have need of. God is a father who is aware. Secondly, God is a father who wants to give his children good things. Mm, yes, he does. Everybody okay today? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, 
and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus went on and said, Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread? Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Now, now some of you know, my, my father worked for Ford Motor Company for 40 years. That's why I drive Fords. I'm a faithful Ford supporter. Landon just bought, a, bought his own car, or a replacement car for his, for his Honda. We got rid of the Honda. And we are now unified again under the Ford banner. But I remember when, when, when I would need to go on some trip for school or we would go on vacation. Um, and I would say to my dad, I specifically remember when, when I moved to college and I needed some help moving out to, to California. And my dad said, I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you out there. And, and we had, my dad always had a nice car, a Ford, always a nice car. But, but when it came time to take me to college, I can't remember what exactly it was, but it, it was like a really nice Ford with a whole lot of room. Now, can you imagine if I'm, I'm Jim's son and I say, hey, Pop, we need to leave in like three weeks to take me to college. Thanks for saying you'll go with me. Could, could we get something to take, take all my stuff? He says, absolutely. And it comes day to pack up all my stuff. And he pulls in in a Ford Escort. <laughs> Zero to 60 in about 15 minutes. <laughs> Room for about three pillows. I'd be standing in the driveway thinking, wow, is that, that the best Ford's got? But then I'd start thinking, is that the best my dad's got? <laughs> but you know what my dad did without me even asking? He said, my son has a need, so I'm going to go and get the biggest vehicle I can. And I don't know. I don't know who he talked to. I don't know, you know, who he said, I need your vehicle under threat of your job. I need your vehicle for the next couple of weeks. I don't, I don't know how he did it. I'm going to leave that between him and Henry Ford. But when my dad comes rolling up in the big vehicle, and I realize I can get everything I need in that vehicle, and we're going to be cruising in style to California. You know what that let me know? My daddy's got this thing. My father, I'm not going to ask for bread and he's going to give me a stone. I'm not going to ask for a big vehicle and he brings me an escort. I'm not going to ask something and he downsizes it. Why? Because that's my father. And my father loves his son. I'm going to give you the words of Jesus right now. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Come on, we have a heavenly Father that wants to give us good things, wants to bless His children.
I want us to get that today. I want someone to believe that today. His will for us is good and not bad. See, missing from Matthew's account in the sixth chapter of his, his gospel is what Luke recorded in the twelfth chapter of his gospel when he said, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means he takes pleasure in supplying for his children. Everybody say, he takes pleasure in that. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 14 and 17, said the kingdom of God, this thing that, that our Father takes pleasure in giving us, the kingdom of God, is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Our God, the heavenly Father of our life, wants to give us righteousness for our unrighteousness. He wants to give us beauty, the Bible says, for our ashes. He wants to give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He wants to give us mercy in place of judgment and hope instead of failure. But these things are not purchased and they are not earned by us. They are given to us by our Heavenly Father through the Holy Ghost. They come through the Spirit. It's why Paul said in Romans 15, joy and peace come by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said when the Spirit dwells in you, it's going to produce love and joy and peace and long-suffering and self-control and kind. He wants to give us these things. And the avenue that He gives them is through the Holy Spirit. This is why being filled with His Spirit is a big, big deal. Can you say amen? amen? Finally, God is a Father who is not willing that any be lost. He doesn't want anybody lost. He doesn't want your son lost. He doesn't want your husband lost. He doesn't want you lost. He doesn't want me lost. He's not willing that any be lost. Jesus was teaching, as Matthew recorded in his gospel, chapter 18, and then Luke picked up it as well, his narrative in Luke 15. And here's what Jesus says, Matthew 18 and 12. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep one of them goes astray. Does he, the man, not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Our Father is not willing that one sheep would perish. In a culture 
where students can take tests in school, and we've just finished another school year, and I know there are wonderfully gifted, brilliant, intelligent students that are sitting here in front of me. But there's not a one of them that would get 99 out of 100 on a test and be in the throes of depression. I don't think. Most of us, we live in a culture that if we get it almost perfect, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I make a 99 out of 100. I birdie every hole in golf except one. I'm good. But our Heavenly Father's not like that. He doesn't ever look at the one and say, ah, that's expendable. It's 99% for goodness sake. Let it go. That happens. That's life. Not with our Heavenly Father. He'll make sure the 99 are tucked away. And they're safely in the fold. And he'll leave all the comforts of home behind. And he'll go looking for that sheep. And I want you to notice something. Listen to me. He'll go looking until he finds the sheep. He may have to pick up rocks. He may have to wade through swamps. He may have to look between trees. He may have to look at places where people don't think a shepherd would go and look. But that shepherd has a mission, and that is the recovery of that one lost sheep. Because that one lost sheep matters to that shepherd. That one stray soul that used to be in the fold, but as of today is outside of the fold, it matters to that shepherd. Can I just preach by extension right now, sir? It matters that you used to be in the house of God, but now you're cold and on the outside of all this. There's a shepherd here today. There's a heavenly father here today. It matters to your heavenly father that you make your way back to the sheepfold. He's going to come looking for you. Hear me right now. He's looking for you. He's looking for you today. He's looking. He's looking. If you think he's going to let you go, just get off me, Jesus. Leave me alone. Let me do my thing. He is the hound of heaven, my friend. He will never give up on you. If you think you can run and hide from him, you got another thing coming. You're going to wake up in the morning and the voice is still going to be speaking to you. And there's still going to be that conviction. Why? Because that's the nature of our Heavenly Father. He looks and he searches and he wants us back. He's looking for us. He's looking for us. He's looking for us. Oh, preacher, I wish you wouldn't preach like that. I wish I could just come to church and enjoy being with people and kind of going through the motions. Can I tell you something? Your soul matters more than that. Your eternity matters more than that. Oh, I've made up in my mind. I want to get that perception of my heavenly father. He's looking. He's searching. He's reaching. He's doing it right now. 
It was Luke who gave other examples. Our musicians can come. He gave other examples of lostness. A woman who had ten coins. And she lost one. Just one. One out of ten. If, if you do a study of, of that particular passage in Luke 15, the Bible says that she lost one of ten coins. Uh, in the Jewish custom, they would have what was called a drachma, and a drachma was a, was a gathering of ten coins together in an ornamental way. And it was only whole when all ten coins were there. And so when one coin was missing, it ceased to be a drachma until the coin was found. And if we can understand this, this is why she was so intent on sweeping the whole house until the coin was found. Why? Because something that was intended to be complete was not complete until she found it. I, today, when I walked into my office here at the church, I pulled several coins out of my pocket and I just threw them in a drawer so they're not jiggling around while I'm preaching. And I have to tell you something. I am partial to the silver ones. <laughs> have, have any of you gone through the drive-thru of a restaurant and the lady said, or the man said, hang on just a second, two cents will be your change. Is there anybody here who has said, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> I can make it without two cents. Anybody, do I have anybody to help, help Pastor feel just a little bit better? Now, there's a certain threshold that you, you don't want to go beyond. You know, if they say, hang on, your change is coming, $12.42 is coming, I never say, that's okay. <laughs> but, but a coin? A copper penny? Not our Heavenly Father. Most likely, it was lost. We don't see this any other way understood in this passage. Most likely, it was just lost in life. It doesn't say that she had someone come in and steal it. She just realized one day, one, one coin's missing. Life. And there are people here today that maybe you feel lost. And when you really do a survey of why you feel lost, you just kind of got caught up in life. Got kind of out of the routine. It's easier to not come when you're not coming. Life just kind of takes over. And the byproduct of that is lostness. But there's a heavenly father that's sweeping the house today that's not complete until you're back. That's not complete. And then there is no perusal of Luke 15 that is complete without Jesus' emphatic example of a son who looked at his father and said, I want everything that's coming to me and I want it right now. Can you imagine the dad? I mean, I, I, this is Father's Day. Imagine that father. Well, wait a minute, son. Wait a minute. There's coming a day. You're going to get all that. Just hang on. No, no, I want it right now. I want my inheritance right now. I want everything that's coming to me right now. And through his stubbornness and his persistence, 
finally the father just gave him what he asked for. Because by the way, by the way, can I just preach this? Our heavenly father will give us what we ask for. You say, oh, he's a a merciful God. If we just stay at it and say, the Lord will say, okay. Let me know how that works out. This father gave his son his inheritance. And the Bible says after many days of foolish living and bad decisions, he woke up in a situation that was far from the privilege of home. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants are in a better situation than I'm in right now. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to throw myself on his mercy and I'm going to say I'm not worthy to even be a child of yours anymore. Make me one of your hired servants. I'm going to change my relationship because of how foolish I've been. But you hear this preacher right now. When you're a child of God, you'll always be a child of God. That's not loose preaching. I'm not preaching eternal security right now. But what I'm telling you, you can never change your relationship with your heavenly father. He is the one that created us. And he's looking for a son or a daughter to come back. Because sometimes lostness happens because of foolish decisions. And you know what? I pray that there will be an honesty in all of us today. When we make foolish decisions, we will not become captive by those. We will not be held prisoner by those. We will not become paralyzed by those. But we will rise up and say, you know what? There's a father at home that will welcome me back and welcome me back with open arms. I'm going to ask us to stand, please. Every person that's come here to New Life today, everybody watching online right now, you are here and you are present and you are watching absolutely in the will of God. So may I say to you right now, your Heavenly Father has not given up on you. He has not given up on you. He has not given up on you. I want us to pray right now. You know what, there's an anointing in this room, and and Jesus is listening for our prayer right now. There's going to be some repentant prayers. It's as close as us repenting and saying, Jesus, I come back to you right now. Maybe it's life, maybe it's foolish decisions, maybe it's careless oversight, whatever the case may be, whatever my lostness is. You're my heavenly Father, and you bring me back, you call me back, you're reaching for me right now. Come on, I want you to help me pray that prayer right now. Pray it for yourself, I can't pray it for you. Jesus, I repent right now. If this is you right now, pray that prayer. I come to you right now, Lord, standing in this sanctuary on Father's Day. I am calling out to you, Lord Jesus. And I am saying, Lord, I'm tired of walking away from you. I'm coming to you right now. I'm yielding to you right now. Come on, there are some decisions being made right now that are going to live far beyond this Sunday morning. There's going to be some people here right now that are making decisions and praying something that God's going to bring it back to your mind. Your heavenly father is going to bring it back to your mind. And he said, I'm drawing you. I'm calling you today. I'm desiring to be close to you today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I speak your blessing over this house right now, Lord. 
God, for those that find themselves as a prodigal, somebody who used to be serving you, and yet today is kind of strayed away. I haven't come to shame anybody, Lord. You haven't come to shame anybody. You've come to invite us back to you, Lord. You've invited us to take a new fresh step toward you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, help us to see you through the right lens, Lord. Help us to see you as our Heavenly Father in the right lens. And I thank you for that. And I give you the glory, Lord. I give you the praise. I give you the honor. In the name of Jesus. Before we present all of our dads that are here today, I want to just say to every person that's standing in this room right now, listen, every person standing in this room, step into what God's calling you to right now. Don't push it away. Especially in the day in which we're living right now, the culture we're living in right now, I believe we are so close to the coming of the Lord right now. I believe that Jesus is coming very soon. If there's ever a day to step into what God is calling us to, it's right now. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Just keep showing up in His presence. Put Him first in your life. Step into commitment again. If it's been a while since you were committed, step back into that. You don't have to be a superstar. Step into it. Let the effort be seen. And God will honor that. Your heavenly Father is for you. He's for us today. Amen? He's for us. You're in a church that believes that God will, will take us. He will, he'll, he'll, he'll surround us by his love. He will. I'm going to ask all of our dads that are here, would you come and join me up here at the front? We just kind of want to show off our dads here. Just come quickly if you would. Make your way down here. I want you just to stand in this altar area. Turn toward the congregation. It's always a wonderful thing to see all of our dads. I want us just to see them. Come on, come quickly if you would, dads. Come on, dads are coming from all over. Dads are coming from all over. Wow, look at all these dads. Dads, I know you're facing the congregation. Can you just listen to me? You don't have to turn around and look at me, but I'll just, we got a gift for you today before you leave. And I heard someone say that the quickest path to joy in a, in a man is through their stomach. So we're going to try to add to that joy today so you can see our team out in the lobby. We got a gift for you. Got a little area where you can take pictures with your dad, your grandfather, whatever the case may be. But isn't this a great group of men here up here? Would you give them a good hand? We honor you today, dads. We honor you today. Thank you for being at New Life today. Amen. We got some like Tad, just new dads, and some that have children much older than me. But we're very, very happy that all of our dads are here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord to touch several needs. I know that there are some that are desperately needing prayer today. We're going to pray for Brother Maxwell that's having surgery this week. I want to pray for Pastor Larry. Pastor Larry is recovering from some chemotherapy treatment, very sick today. We want the Lord to touch Pastor Larry.
victorious brother needs a touch in his body, just a sister Harden needs a touch in her body. And uh, we've had a lot of needs called into the church. And I want us just to lift every need that you have. I wish you'd lift it up to the Lord. Let's be faithful to pray for these ones. Will you lift your voice with me as we're getting ready to be dismissed? Jesus, we are lifting our voice together. We're speaking blessings over our fathers today. I pray every one of these dads will be blessed by the Holy Ghost, Lord. God, your spirit has drawn us together to worship you today, and we speak blessing over these fathers. We pray for Pastor Larry right now that you will touch his body and uh, subside the ill feelings that he has, Lord. Touch Brother Maxwell. Touch Clyde today. Minister to every request. Brother Blackman. Others, Lord, that need such a, a, a great touch in their bodies. I pray that you will reach, Lord, and touch and minister, Lord, and let Calvary touch them right now. Let the blood of Jesus cover their bodies. In the great name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. We love you. We thank you. We worship you, Lord. We're anticipating your blessings and thanking you for hearing our requests today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.